0: I can't remember what I was supposed to say. (laughs) Has a reoccurring role on HBO Ballers.
1: Mark Slareth, handsome sub-bitch, get out
0: here. And makes one hell of a bowl of green chili. It's Mark Slareth, and this is the Stinkin' Truth Podcast.
1: Hey, welcome into the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Your host, Mark Slareth, alongside my co-host, Mike Evans, Scott the Huff, the producer. We've got a great show for you planned today. Character versus football character. What's the difference? We'll explain it. Got all kinds of things to talk about. But first, got to thank our sponsor. That's Core Water. You can hydrate your huddle with Core pH-balanced water, ultra-purified and balanced with electrolytes to match your body's natural pH of 7.4. That's science, people. That's the pH where your body performs at its best. And Lord knows, if you look at me, (laughs) my body is performing um, at peak performance. Performing at peak performance. Hmm interesting maybe i'll use a better choice of words but that'll be another podcast with the award-winning chris clean taste wide mouth bottle it's perfect for faster hydration and uh, with core water you're uh, you can find it at your neighborhood 7-11 it's the one with the big blue cap core ph balance water i absolutely love it you can learn more at hydrate dot com. bringing in my co-host mike evans mike how are you my friend hey
0: you know all joking aside did, did i see a video that went viral over the weekend of you putting up three Three hundred and fifteen pounds.
1: Yeah. Well. Okay. So was it three fifteen? Yeah. You can you can see that at uh, at markschler or at Mark on Twitter at Schlerth Poof. This is it is has been an easy one so far. Um, yeah. So I get <laughs> you know you get people all the time that that just talk you know, the trolls the, the the jack wagons that don't know squat that irritate me. And so I had a couple guys saying that I couldn't bench 315. DeMarcus Ware put out this video. I'll just give you the whole story. He put out the video, and it was a Monday Motivation video of him benching 315, and he did six reps. And so I went back and forth with him. I go, well, here's one of me doing 225, 30 times. And and I sent it to him, direct message it to him. So, you know, it wasn't necessarily meant for public consumption but I was like, "Hey, thanks for the motivation. Here you go. Back at you." And he posts it on his on his Twitter feed. And so, now I got a bunch of guys coming at me, you know, like I said, no nothing jackweeds that are saying, "Well, you didn't extend, you know, you didn't lock out on every rep." Well, hey, Jack Wagon. Um, One, I've had seven elbow surgeries, and i played 12 years in the National Football League, and I've got arthritic elbows that don't lock out anyhow. So, yeah, no, I didn't. And then I had a bunch of guys on this that obviously don't know anything. I mean, they're in their mom's basements going, well, he did 315. Um, You probably couldn't do 315. I was like, I just did 225, 30 times. You don't think I could do 315? So, I was like, all right, well, the challenge, the gauntlet has been thrown at me. So, the other day I'm in the gym, I walk in there, I literally do a couple of reps at 225 as a warm-up, I did like four, and I threw fifteen on, 315 on the bar, and that's, you know, three plates or three wheels, as they call it, and so I set up my phone, there's a guy standing there that goes, you want me to video this? And I go, no, no, he goes, you want a spot? And I go, no, no, I'm, I'm all right, <laughs> and so he's just kind of watching, and he's like, Mike, I have not put that much on a free weight bench, that much weight on a free weight bench in just about two decades since I was a player. Like, since my playing days ended in 2018 years ago was the last time I had that kind of weight on a free weight, uh, free weight bench. Now, you know, I've done some machines and different things, but I really had, honestly, no idea what it was going to be like. I just figured that I could do it, right? So I laid down on this bench, and I took it off the rack without a spot. I did it six times, and I waited, and I, you know, breathed for a second. And then I did two two more reps where it was just stopped. So I took it down on my chest, sat it on my chest, 1,001, 1,002, lifted it, went back down, 1,001, 1,002, lifted it, and racked it. So, I did eight <laughs> reps. I could have uh, honestly. You, you watched looked, the video. Yeah, you were smooth. I, I could I could have done twelve at three fifteen. I mean, it, you know. And so that was just my answer to you know to the morons on Twitter. So now, at, at, so at the, the, did sit, the
0: did the quote jack wagons? Uh, I'm going to use that word a lot now. Did the jack wagons apologize?
1: Uh, a couple of them did. Good, good yeah. A couple right, of them, yeah. you know, saw the error of their ways, and I, <laughs> you know, I it was, it was very almost biblical of me. I was like uh, sin. Yeah, I, I was like, uh, um, wh- what was the, what is the biblical? Uh, go and sin no more.
0: You know, <laughs> how like, magnanimous of you, right?
1: Go, my child, and sin no more. So, anyhow, that well, was my response. Yeah, was that awesome. was awesome. Yeah, it was my response, and uh, and you know, it was it was fairly easy and you know i'm sure there's you know there's going to be some critics out there yeah, there's always you always have critics the guys that uh you know you know what the other thing was here's the other thing and you can always tell people that that haven't lifted before or don't really understand like gym etiquette like gym etiquette is big to me pay attention to what other people are doing in the gym so you don't like you don't get in you don't take their their piece of equipment that they're working on at that point and change the weights and start doing your own set, like they're super setting something, like pay attention to what's going on in the weight room. Or like you're doing a set on something and you're in the mirror, you're looking at your form and everything, and then somebody walks right in front of you, takes a set of dumbbells off and starts doing like dumbbell curves right in front of where you're doing your squats or whatever. Like have a little gym awareness. Yeah, that's if like
0: you- me. That's like me. I'm like, hey, 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 leave my one wheel alone. Right. I got, that's my one wheel. Leave that's my, my wheel, baby. Leave my wheel alone. <laughs>
1: but you know, you get people that are new in the gym that have never lifted before. And I get I get that it's not your fault that you've never lifted. And so you're dumb to that stuff. But like, educate yourself.
0: I, I'm glad you brought that up because now I can, now I'm going to, I'm going to steal that. I'm going to be like, ah. <sighs> Put one wheel on, will you? Yeah, yeah. One wheel on each side. Throw me a wheel. I know what I'm doing in here. Right. So,
1: like, pay attention. (laughs) Like, pay. Just pay attention to what's like what's going on Uh in the gym. People get to get familiar with it. So, so then I have some guy that comes at me and goes, "Well, based on uh, your 315 at eight reps, I'd say, I'd say your bench is 380. Your max bench is 380." To which I said. How random is that? Like, I can tell you've never lifted. Well, what are you talking about? I've never lifted. Well, like, okay, so if you have three plates on, the next progression on that, if you will, would be 225s on each side. Well, anybody who's ever lifted can tell you right off the bat without even adding it up. It's 365. Three wheels and 225-pound plates (laughs) is 365. So then if you went to the next stage, the next natural progression, if you went... Three wheels and thirty-five pound plates on each side. That's three eighty-five, right? That's the next natural progression. If you go four wheels, that's four hundred five. Anybody who's lifted knows that, right? But to say three eighty just tells me you don't know shit about weightlifting.
0: <laughs> see, see what you're describing here. See, so you're describing like the the inner workings of. You know, the, the weight room and, mm-hmm. you know, you got people out there who think they know the weight room, right, but they don't really know the weight room. And 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 I'm struck by, like, everything I've heard about uh, the Broncos signing Pac-Man Jones, the infamous Pac-Man Jones has landed with the Denver Broncos. And and it, it, it's led to a whole new term that I never really heard before as a casual football fan football character. Oh, oh yeah. my God! If I had a nickel every well, that that's actually old you know, inflation. If I had a quarter for every time I've heard football character, you you
1: describe. You, you could buy, hey, you could buy if you had a quarter for every time you've heard it in the last two days. You could buy yourself
0: a latte. There you go. I mean, what's this old football character nonsense about? There's you know, chara- there's character, right? Character's well, character. <laughs> no, there's, no,
1: there's football. There's being a character. There's football character, and then there is the the streets of America, corporate America character. Completely different things, right? So, football character really refers to, like, we use football character when we know a guy has his issues off the field. Like, Pac-Man Jones has his issues. Adam has his issues. Like, if you challenge Adam at the airport, <laughs> you're going to fight, like, that's who he is, right? If you if you poke the bear, uh, don't be surprised when the bear, you know, swats you with the big claws. And so, for Pac-Man Jones, like, he knows. Pac-Man Jones knows that he has issues. He's been suspended for a year. He's been suspended multiple times. Um, you know, he's one of those guys. He's got some dog in him. He's alpha male. He's going to compete at the highest level. But he can't, like – there are guys that just can't turn it off when they walk off a football field. The majority of players can turn it on when they walk on the football field. And the level of competition and and like they're alpha on that. When they walk away from it, man, they they can flip it off. They're family men. They you know they're they're not going to be goaded into fighting at airport. There there are a few guys, Mike, that they they can't turn it off. Like we all have any any sport. Uh, and, I, and I've and i been there, man. I've I played the NFL for 12 years. I, I mean, I've been assigned to that guy. And, and what I mean by that is there, there are six or seven guys on every team that are touched, that that have issues, that need a babysitter full time. And when they're in the walls of the facility, you know, they're fine because they got got multiple babysitters and the coaches and everything else. But when they walk out of the facility, you know, the coach comes to you and says, hey, uh, you know, uh, you're going to have to watch him, right? I mean take him under your wing and try to protect him as best you can it's like your responsibility and there's certain guys like why do you think i had somebody approach me the other day mike talk about man how did you handle all the travel you know from the nfl like you never home with your family and stuff and i go are you kidding me travel in the nfl is one road games it's eight games and i go dude we're children like you have to approach it. There, there are six or seven guys on the team that can't be trusted. If you give them freedom, they're going to screw it up. So, so it's not like it's not like you think it is. We we come in, we do walkthroughs on Saturday morning. We study the film, then we get showered and we get on a bus and they take us to the airport. We get off the tarmac. We don't even go into the the airport like the bus pulls right up to the plane you get off you walk up on the plane you take off you land there's buses on the tarmac you get off the plane they get you on the bus they take you to the hotel the whole thing is sequestered off so nobody can get in there and and they don't give you you know they they don't give you more than 30 minutes that you're unaccounted for at any time like you eat together you like then you have meetings all night and then you you get up the next morning you have pregame meal you bus over there you have chapel service or whatever you bus over to the stadium you play the game they put you back on a bus they fly you back home like you're hardly ever gone like and, and they don't give you more than 30 minutes because they know there's certain guys that they just can't like they can't trust them like will they treat you like children like the guys have a tough guys have a tough time transitioning out of football cuz for you know if you played for any length of time like I did 12 years Every, you know, every Monday I got an itinerary. This is where I'm supposed to be. at. You know, at 12 o'clock on Wednesday, this is where I'm going to be. At 4 o'clock on Thursday, this is where I'm going to be. At 9.30 in the morning on Friday, this is where I'm going to be. Like, you had your whole week plotted out for you. You knew exactly where you were supposed to be every week. Then all of a sudden, you know, you retire, you're done playing, and you don't have an itinerary? Like, you don't have somebody telling you where to be every second of the day? That that's how it works. So football character really is this: you walk into a locker room. I know you're going to be there on time. I know you're going to work your butt off. I know you're going to study, and I know when you go out to play on Sundays, man, you're going to play well and give us a chance to win. That's but, football but, character. But you
0: got you got to you got to at least see the other side that. Like, look, I got into this business thirty years ago. Started covering sports, and I was I was naive enough to actually think of these guys as role models, you know, and and I actually looked up to the idea that you know the, these athletes were were something special. And then the more I covered them, the more I got to see them away from the field, the more I realized they were as full of shit as everybody else is in in in, in the world. You know what I mean? I mean they. They, they did dumb things. They did bad things. They cheated uh, on their wives. You know, they got into fights. I mean, they did all these things. And as the years went on, I'm like, wow, these guys aren't as special as I thought they were. But then I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision as a fan. Do I want to continue to enjoy sports? Knowing these guys off the field aren't always the best of guys. And I made a decision then. I don't care. I don't care what they do off the field. I only care about them going out and entertaining and, you know, the teams I root for, I hope they win. But for for the average sports fan out, though, there you, you can understand, can't you, Mark, that wait a minute, you're telling me that a guy that drives drunk and beats up uh, a woman or, you know, get, gets caught with, you know, a bunch of illegal guns and, and does all these things that everybody frowns upon, you're telling me he can walk into that room? And all of a sudden, be the model teammate. You can understand, can't you, why people sort of have a hard time reconciling the two?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I also understand that football is is not reality. Like, like I get, like Mike, I get that you can make a living running down on kickoff and back in the day, blowing up a wedge. Like you can make a good living, and and you can do that for a lot of years as long as you're good on special teams, and 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 it's great, and you can be a team leader, you can be a special teams team t- captain, and everything else. You know what? It, it it there is no place in America where that's a transferable skill. Like you can't get hired in the corporate world because you ran down and busted wedges. <laughs> like, hey, sorry, we can't really help you here, right? I. I so it's not reality. It's a, different, it's a different world. And one thing about an NFL locker room is the majority of guys have been judged one way or another, right? And they understand that they won the genetic lottery and they've been blessed enough to play this game. But they have all overcome things. They have all, you know, every guy that's ever played this game has overcome injuries, have overcome prejudice, overcome whatever the case may be. And and therefore, when you walk into an NFL locker room, it's a, you know, it's a very forgiving place. And it's an open-minded place. And as long as you come into it and you're going to work hard, you're going to play hard, and you're going to keep your nose clean off the field, they will welcome you and embrace you with open arms. And they'll give you a second and third and fourth chance. I played for years against Bill Romanowski. When I played with the Redskins, first, Bill Romanowski played at San Francisco. Hated him. Bill Romanowski then left and went to Philadelphia. Hated him there, too. I mean, when I'd pull on counter, and we were a big counter trade team, when I'd pull on counter, if Romanowski was the forced player on the edge, man, I'd try to break his neck. i try to literally break his jaw. I'm like, I just want to run this guy over. I can't stand this dude, right? That was the narrative that I had in my head about Bill Romanowski. Then he became my teammate in, in Denver, and it turned out he's a great guy. Like, Bill Romanowski, now he's a bit crazy, right? I don't want to pick out curtains with the guy, but he's a great guy. I can't tell you how many times what, where Bill had a guru for everything, right? He had all kinds of gurus. He had people on his payroll. I can't tell you how many times. We lived in the same nim- na- uh, neighborhood when I lived in Denver. I can't tell you how many times there'd be a knock on the door, 7 o'clock at night. You know, I'd just gotten home, and we just ate dinner and stuff. All of a sudden, there's a knock on the door, and it's one of Romo's gurus that I've never met. Hey, uh, Bill Romanowski, uh I work for Bill. He sent me over here because uh, he he knows how bad you know you're you're hurting your back or your knee or whatever. And um, he asked me. He's taking care of it, the charge and everything. He just asked me to come over here and work on you. Like that happened m- more times than I can count. Like so, you you have in in your head like yeah, he was a bad dude over here, a bad dude over here, and he he made his his share of life mistakes. But he comes into our locker room, and he's going to get the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, all I can tell you is that's the way it is. One of the things that drives me crazy, Mike, is you think about how we, as a society, watch a sports team and automatically put kind of our values and what we think should happen on those guys. And I'll give you an example. How many times do you see a rookie, a kid, get you know, become a first-round draft choice. And then, you know, he he makes a boatload of money, and all of a sudden you read a story about him. Four years later, he's broke, right? And and we're like, oh, what an idiot, what a stupid kid. Like, if I ever got that much money, like, I'd be set for life, and these guys don't respect it. Like, we have this whole narrative worked out for that. And I would tell you this. I go, think about this. You know, this is what drives me crazy. Kid comes from a disadvantaged background, right? Doesn't have... You know, raised by his grandmother, whatever, um, in the streets. Doesn't have, you know, the greatest of, of educational background, but he fights tooth and nail to develop himself as best he can as an athlete. And he busts his ass to be the greatest athlete he can be. And he dives in and pours all his energy into being the greatest football player that he can possibly be. And then he works so hard that he gets drafted in the first round and they dump $20 million on him. And as soon as he gets that $20 million dumped on him, you know what we want him to be? A certified financial planner. Like, all he's ever done is work on football to be the best football player he can be, and now we want him to be a certified financial planner. And when he doesn't make sound financial decisions, we're like, what an idiot. That kid has no clue. And I'm like, man, it's just so unfair. And so we look at a guy like Pac-Man Jones. I got so many messages, Mike from Bronco fans that were like, I, I'm disappointed in you, Stink, that you think this is a good signing. That guy's a cancer. That guy's a problem. Like, that guy has, has no character. He's got football character. And Oh, Mr. Bolin, if Mr. Bolin, you know, wasn't sick, he would never allow this to happen. Dude, I was on the team. Stop it. I was on the team when we signed Dale Carter, who ended up eight games later failing his, you know, third cocaine test and be suspended for life, you know, for for a year. Um, Dale Carter, the same guy, there were stories about him showing up to practice at Kansas City with bullet holes littered across his car. You know, like, stop, you know, stop. Like Talent trumps some of those issues. And sometimes you always feel like, hey, a new environment, we can get the best out of this guy. So, you know, football character, just different than...
0: than- well, I'll, I'll give you... An, uh, well, okay, so as you're talking about, and, and this whole definition of football character, I'll give you a great example. I... I've always looked at Odell Beckham Jr. as selfish, self-absorbed. Look at me, you know, the classic wide receiver diva. And, and you know, my thought from the outside was, man, pe- pe- people even inside the Giants got to be tired of this act. And then I'm watching the reaction in the Giants locker room when the news comes out that he's got this record-setting deal, you know, $65 million guaranteed. And I'm like, huh, you know, maybe, maybe these guys have an entirely different view of Odell Beckham Jr. than we all do.
1: Uh, hey, listen, I think you're 100% right. I mean, when was, and I think this goes kind of against um, human nature, if, you're, if you will, um, when was the last time you celebrated somebody else's success? Like it was your own success. Like, honestly.
0: Yeah. Doesn't happen that often, no.
1: No. I mean, you know, I'll go back to – this is this is one of the things that's beautiful about professional football, or football in general. Go back to last year's national championship game. Okay? It's halftime. Alabama is losing 13 to nothing. You remember the game, right? Sure. Jalen Hurts, um, their quarterback – I mean – he was having an awful game. He's twenty-five and two as a starter. Halftime, Nick Saban pulls him. You're not going to play anymore. And the freshman that came in, Tua. Remember, mm-hmm. Tonga Lava, Tonga Valoa, right? Tonga Valoa. Sure, Tua. Let's just call him Tua. Okay. Anyhow, long story short, he comes in. He rallies them. He drives them down the football field. There's great energy in the game. And I, you know what, for as long as I live, I'll never forget this. I, I won't, because it, it defines why football to me is so important. Why football teaches so many great life lessons. Satua so throws a touchdown, and Alabama is getting back in this game. They flash to the sideline, Jalen Hurts, and he's sprinting down the football field to celebrate. So here's a kid, 25 and two, gets pulled from a national championship game. Um, may never get to play quarterback again at the University of Alabama. I mean, that that may be it for him. I I don't know. You don't know. Uh, nobody really knows, but. You're in one of the toughest positions of your life. You've been benched after a terrible first half and a 13-0 score, and now the true freshman comes in and drives his team down, and you score, and you're the first one down to celebrate like you threw the touchdown. I mean, how many of us would actually be on the sideline moping, sulking about getting benched and, and rooting against the kid, not rooting for the kid? And I would I would raise my hand up and I said the majority of us would be rooting against him. And uh, yet here you are celebrating yeah. that touchdown like it was your freaking touchdown. That is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And I saw that video in the locker room with the Giants playing the song, Money, 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 money. And I saw four or five guys dancing around celebrating Odell Beckham Jr.'s contract. Like, that says a lot to me about how they feel about him in that locker room. The guy is passionate. My understanding is the guy works his ass off. Like, there's no harder worker in that room. The guy is, I mean, he's like a, he is, like, shoe deals and, like, the guy, the guy is international. Like, he's one of the most popular players in the National Football League and one of the very few players that can go somewhere internationally and be recognized. Um. That's who he is, and they love him. Now, does he lack a little emotional maturity, or is he shown that he's lacking emotional maturity in the past? Absolutely. No question about it. Um, but don't be confused. This guy has a boatload, I mean a ton, of passion for the
0: game. Okay, and listen, everything you just said, I mean, God, God damn inspiring. I got goosebumps. You're still giving $65 million guaranteed in a salary cap sport to a guy who plays a dependent position.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So yes, yeah. You know, yeah check I, back with me in a couple years and see if the the Giants still think that was a good move.
1: Right. I, I think there's a couple of things, Mike. Had they not had they went in the direction number two overall took Sam Darnold, I don't think this deal gets done. I think they bypassed on a young quarterback in a good quarterback class, um, because they still believe that they can get efficient, good play out of Eli Manning. But they they understand they're going to have to have big time weapons you know around him. The other thing Odell Beckham Jr. does, and you're right, the wide receiver position is a dependent position. But anytime you break the huddle, if you're the defense, you're finding a way to double cover that guy. Like you, you've got to have help over the top, which is going to open up the running game for Saquon Barkley on that side of the football field. So he is plays a dependent position, like pretty much all positions are dependent positions. But he plays maybe one of the most dependent positions, but he also opens up a game plan for you. So he's he's vital to to their success, and for, he's a marketing uh, like like that money. There are a few guys that you can pay him whatever you need to pay him because they are such marketing. Like they sell your team for you. Odell Beckham Jr. is one of the most popular players in in. The National Football League, but he's one of the the only recognisable internationally recognisable players in the National Football League. So, like, I I get the the big time money. I get the um, trepidation about the big time money, but at the same time, like, he's gonna sell tickets for you. It, it's, it's an in, I mean, it is an interesting. It's an interesting guy because of. He's got the popularity of an of, of an elite quarterback and he's got the international, you know, juice. Um, one of the few guys to have the big time type of like he's one of the few guys or maybe the only guy, I think, to have one of those big time shoe deals like um you know, like the NBA players. I think he might be the only guy in the league ever to sign a shoe deal like an NBA player signs. And and oh by the way, you know when you know he'll reach it from a from uh yeah, this just popped into my head, and you're gonna like this, Mike. You know how you know you've you've reached your ability to be a great marketer, like to be out there Madison Avenue type market guy. How's when, that? When when you start selling cars that you don't fit in. <laughs> Like when you can, when you're Shaq and you can sell a Hyundai, right, right, and you know there's no way in hell yeah. unless they took out the front seat and you're yeah. driving from the back seat. Yeah. There's no way in hell you could fit in that car. Yeah, it's just
0: you not. I'm Mark Slareth fit. for the Volkswagen Bug. You know that kind right, of thing. Right,
1: yeah. right. When, when, when he's selling a car that he doesn't fit in, like then that you know he's a ride. you know you're yeah. <laughs> I
0: hadn't thought of that. That's, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. That's okay. All right, boy. Well, now. You sold me. This all makes sense. I take back everything I ever said.
1: <laughs> when he's driving around like a little Prius. Like and you gotta roll down you gotta do you know, you, you gotta open up the sunroof just to get your quaff out the top. Like that's how that's it's too that small. Head for and you. shoulders.
0: That head and shoulders quaff, right? Right. right? Yeah. There you go. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So that's when you know you flipping arrived.
0: All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. You won me over. Odell Beckham Jr., money well spent, New York Giants.
1: As long as he develops a little emotional maturity. Like, you can't do the, I'm a dog and I'm going to pee on the fire hydrant. Or you can't have a fight with, uh, you know, with uh, Josh Norman that that you should get kicked out. Like, as long as you control some of that stuff, he is... He's not the best receiver, but he's right there in the same conversation with Julio Jones and and Antonio Brown. So I'm in on that, man. I, I of course, I, I if he starts acting like an idiot, you know, I I reserve the right to blast him. <laughs> of course, you, you do don't. realize that.
0: Of course, that's you, Mark. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Okay, good. I'm glad we had that conversation. All right. For everybody involved in the Stinky Truth podcast, thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, we'll be back later on in the week to discuss a couple other things. Um, well, one of the things I really want to get to, Mike, is the NFL app and why, um, the NFL app sucks. And, um,
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and
1: why I think it's a microcosm of the things that are bad with the NFL, but we'll get into that at a later date. Um, until then, thank you to Core Water for, uh, being the title sponsor of the show, we really appreciate you guys at Core. Do a great job. Unbelievable. You can check them out, 7-Eleven in your local grocery store. Um, until the next time, Mike, I'll, I'll see you later. This is, uh, Mark Schler signing off the Stinking Truth Podcast.